Julian White, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Hi, how are you? I'm good, yeah, I'm fine, thank you. Uh, yeah. Good, good. It's, uh, it's the weekend, so it's no working. I'm just, I went to a really good exhibition today and yeah, it was good. Cool, what did you go see? Uh, I went to see a Belgian artist called Leon Spilly Art and he's quite an interesting character from ninth. He died 19, oh, he died, well, he, he was around the turn of the century, uh, contemporary with James Ensor. Quite melancholic, very beautiful, very graphic work. Quite, um, quite interesting. I didn't know anything about him actually. He did landscapes, and then he did always pictures of uh, people were always with their heads turned or their backs. It was quite interesting. We were talking about the psychological, you know, what what that's about. Whether it's a you know uh, an ability to draw people's faces, maybe, or it's just that he found that the the back of people is more interesting than the front. And there's obviously something about rejection and melancholy and all that kind of stuff. But really beautiful and kind of sad. Yeah, it's, it's actually really interesting. It is a mm. specific style. I know a photographer in Montreal who does mm. the same. She photographs yeah. only the back of people. Yeah, yeah. So that, that is definitely interesting. Yeah. Uh, Julian, you're a gaffer in the film industry. I am. I am. So, yeah. And I think most people outside of the film industry aren't really familiar with that no, term. Sure. So can we start by um, having you maybe just tell us what a gaffer is, what a gaffer does? Well, a gaffer in the film industry is a chief lighting technician. So we look after the whole lighting department and work with the cinematographer in creating a look and the mechanics of lighting a movie really or a TV series or a commercial or whatever. But, uh, and then the word gaffer is obviously the, the meaning and just a senior person, but it, for some reason it's stuck in the film industry as a colloquial term. So that's me. And how long have you been doing it? To, uh, weirdly, I thought it was a very short time, but it's 22 years. <laughs> that's not short at all. <laughs> no, I know, but you know, I kind of go, Oh, I'm only just starting out. And, and that's, Quite a nice thing in a way, but also I spoke to somebody who went, oh, we haven't seen you for ages. Actually, there was a focus puller, first assistant cameraman uh, on the commercial I'm doing this week. And I said, oh, you were my first electrician when we first did a commercial. I said, when was that? And he goes, probably 98. And I was like, oh, wow. That really kind of blew my mind a little bit. I was like, wow, that seemed like A, that it was yesterday. And B, it just, I don't know, 22 years is a long time. It's old enough to have a big grandfather, if you know what I mean. And, yeah, uh, you know, that's a generation, isn't it, almost? So, yeah, I was kind of blown away by that. But, uh, yeah, 22 years. And I think in the last 10 and years, it's probably my, you know, I've gone from doing low-budget stuff and more more serious, bigger productions. And, you know, I still do them, but now I'm sort of established, so I guess the word would be. Yeah, that's actually what, what my next point was, is mm. that in 22 years, like, mm. you have established uh, quite the portfolio. You've worked mm. on Game of Thrones, The Martian. Yep. Uh, you've worked on Midnight at the Ori Orient Express, a, yep. a whole lot of big... Yep. Uh, large budget productions yes yeah and small do you as well have a preference well do you, have you a know preference i in guess terms it's of what like, you like to do? it's like a snack or it's like a big meal one takes longer to make there's probably more anticipation that it's going to be amazing you know that it's all and then when you eat it you go well yeah it was okay so it's a different thing and i, I think actually sometimes the smaller bite-sized tapas meals can be much more interesting because you don't have to worry about them so much they're more they're less anticipation and you know it's just impromptu uh harder maybe in a weird way but uh no there's a difference in longevity stress i guess politics definitely uh i think the lower budget ones seem to have more of a familial attitude so they're more kind of like yeah we can do it against all the odds which can be stressful and also tiring because you're doing longer hours and there's more anticipation of it you know that you not anticipation more you know it's like pushing a, the boulder the boulder slightly bigger and it's a steeper hill um and you have less, you know, what you make up in, what you don't have in money, you have to make up in the strength and time or, or stamina and time. So that's a different thing. As you get older, you're a bit like, yeah, you know. 
Do you find it ad- advantageous to sometimes take a break from the larger productions and work on smaller ones so that you kind of get the creativity flowing? Yeah. Absolutely. And also the energy of the, the the motivation of why you're doing it, you know, because obviously money is a big motivator for a lot of people. But if you haven't got that, do you still want to do it? You know, and I think that actually, you know what, years ago, I heard, well, not years ago, five years ago, I heard a great in, uh, thing about the word amateur. And, you know, traditionally, the word amateur seems to be like, yeah, you're such an amateur. But actually, the word amateur comes from love, amatore, and it means that you love doing it. And I think that's quite nice. It's like, well, you're an amateur, but this means because you're not professional, you're not paid for it necessarily. And I think there's truth in both. You know, it's good to be paid for what you do and reap the rewards of what you sow. But also sometimes you're doing it for the love of something else. And that's quite nice. So you have to, I think it's finding a balance really. And, um, you know, my favorite film that I've probably done is Control, which is not a big budget, very hard work. But I felt that we were all in the same boat at the same time. And there wasn't this kind of like, well, I'm the producer, I'm the director, you don't, you know, you're not, in the, we're in the, we're, you're in the raft, we're in the life thingy, <laughs> you know, we get the rations. So there's a bit more of a balance, more democratic, more meritocracy, I think. And 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 you see people blossoming, you see people who've never been on a movie set before, just going, wow, this is amazing and blossoming. And then you meet them 10 years later and they're doing something amazing. You think, well, you know what I mean? It's like a nursery and that, that can be quite nice. But having said that, it's difficult and it's tiring because you have to make up for right. all that. You know, the experience and the inexperience of other people, you have to kind of cajole them, explain to them, you know, it's like, oh, we haven't got that. So we need to do this. And it's like your brain has to work harder. You physically have to work harder. But it's the reward sometimes be much greater. And I think, you know, like the meal thing is you can cook a quick meal and everybody goes, wow, that was amazing. And you can slay for hours over a dish and people go, yeah, it's good. You know, and I think that sometimes that the finding the balance between that is the thing, you know. So I guess it depends what you're in it for. True. How long did it take you to get your footing in the business? Well, I had no anticipation of going anywhere, so I didn't. It seemed like it was very quick. I think if I'd probably wanted to go to film school and really wanted to be one, you know, wanted to be in the film industry, I'd have found that quite difficult. But it happened three years, maybe two years. I don't know. That's the thing. It's difficult. I, you know, it just seemed to. It just seemed to. I just seemed to be at the right place at the right time, and I worked on the stuff that was really interesting, and I every day was exciting. So it kind of I, the time went very quickly. And I think maybe it then took, you know, I went through stages and maybe it's five or six or 10 years into it. It was a bit like, eh, you, you felt like you're treading water. Then you move up to the next level and then you go on to the bigger films and then it's, you know, and then people start seeing you as a senior technician and you just have a different attitude. And then you realize that all the people who you started out with were, you know, low budget filmmakers are now in the positions of power in Netflix. And so, you you know, do you know what I mean? It's like the your peers are in, in that same position and you kind of go, oh, people are treating me with respect. I think that's the thing, actually, is I still see myself as like a fledgling filmmaker and in reality, mm-hmm. I'm not. And, and you know, maybe that's not a bad thing, keeping it uh, real, as I say. Crazy question. Mm. One thing I don't know about uh, crew crew members, I know that there are unions, but do gaffers mm. have agents? We don't, but you can do, but it's not. The thing is, it depends, you know, our t- traditionally we would come through recommendation of another cinematographer or uh, or a collaboration you've built up over time or a recommendation through a producer or somebody's coming into london they need a gaffer and somebody say hey that guy's great so an agent really doesn't help an agent for us would be more trying to sort out the deal rather than the finding the work but i you know film the movie so- i'm just doing got i got through an agent of a cinematographer he said, oh, I'm looking for a guy. Do you know anybody? He said, no, I know people because he used to work. I know him from lighting days. And so he put us two together. So he acted as my agent, but unpaid in that sense. But in a way, he's doing his job on the other end, if you see what I mean. 
So no, we don't have technically have agents. We don't need them. Right. Okay. So and so I guess really the game there there is a game played for somebody yes. who's young in the in the industry yeah. and it is half work ethic and half networking really. Yes. Yeah, and luck. I think like a lot of things, you know, you have you may have talent, you may be a very qualified electrician, but you just seem to not get to the right place and then attitude's a big thing. So you know, you can just fit in. I think it's like anything. I think it's a bit like a, a sports team, like a basketball team or something. You're just at the right, you know, you're like, hey, this guy's good. And then you grow and you find your position and, you know, and then people like you and they pass the ball and then you get the shot and everybody's like, yeah, great. And then your team gets better and then they run, hey, we're going, you know what I mean? And then you, with the film industry as well, you can either be dumped off a crew purely because they don't need the numbers. So you just really bide your time. But actually, I think you could probably, Personally, I sometimes think you could just sit around and still get be successful. No, that's not true. I think that you event inevitably you're in the if you hang around long enough and you do the right thing and you have a good attitude, you will be successful. Because I don't, I got to say that none of it is. Some of it is highly technical, but none of it. We're all independent, interdependent. So you would never be like, hey, you're making it on your own. You know, we all. And if it, we sort of find an even ground almost. So I sometimes you can get away with a lot not being very talented and still go far i guess that's true to life in a way and then you could be super talented and go nowhere so i think there's no hard and fast rule i think luck is a big thing i think that's true with a lot of creative stuff you just happen to be at the right place where somebody goes hey we're going and you you know you're off on another journey so it's difficult because you i gotta say is that i think you know you have to be a little bit laissez-faire and a bit nonchalant and a bit cool and a bit demanding and a bit you know it's kind of finding like any profession you've got to well any profession in the industry in the entertainment industry i think you have to hang out you know and be determined but not be too determined it's a fine line isn't it being the guy who's staying going can i have the job can another job can another job can another job and then the guy who's standing around is sort of waiting at the right time to get the job and it's it, you know right. so i always say to people when you're not working don't phone somebody it's when you're working you should phone them because what they know is go, oh, you haven't spoken to for five years and suddenly you're calling me. Have you got no work? And what you should actually is doing is when you are working, is phone and go, hey, I haven't seen you for five years. What are you up to? You go, oh, I'm doing a movie. And they think, so there's no, do you know what I mean? There's no pressure on you to yes. employ them. You're just there and you're, you're shooting the breeze. And it's quite nice, actually. And I think that's because the industry can be a little bit vacuous sometimes and a little bit like, you know, hey, you remember me? And I'm like, no, you must be unemployed. <laughs> and I kind of, anyway, mm -hmm. so you do know what I mean? It's kind of like, be cool. And, and not be, I think not be a slave to the industry. I think that can be a little bit of a thing that everybody gets a bit too driven by it. And, and, and it's, you know, the cart should really always be behind the horse and not the other way around. So it's a difficult, I must admit, I think it's a difficult navigation. I can see why people get in sticky situations with it in, in life, you know. And yeah, there's a lot of questions, you know, about the film industry, about people who are trying to break into it, because really yeah. that's a, the right term to use. Sometimes it's yes. breaking into yes. it. Yes, uh, making sure it doesn't do break you, you at the same time. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what do you personally look for in uh, junior people that you might character. have? Character. Character. You know, when they send me a CV, I go, okay, but what do you what do you like? What do you do? What's in, what are you into? You know, if they go, oh, I'm into surfing or I'm into... I play, I don't know, I make guitars or something that's interesting. I go, okay, because at the end of the day, we're going to be spending a lot of time together. Uh, if you can't look me in the eye, if you have no interest in life, I'm not interested in you. You know, the rest you learn on the job. But actually, if you need to have, it's kind of character, humor, you know, five fingers, five toes on each hand. You know what I mean? It's like all the basic things. If you're, if you're able to do the job for, in, in so many ways, then fine. 
you know, and I think a lot of people come out and it's kind of, it's a physicality, it's a personality, it's a spirituality, it's a technicality. It's a pretty difficult thing to sum up, but it's kind of, I always go, well, I can look them in the eyes and try and, try and sum them up as human beings. And do I want to spend time with them? Am I going to be like bunking with this guy for three months in a foreign country? Am I going to be like, oh God, you know, I just can't deal with you. And, you know, I'm not into soccer teams and beer and fast cars and stuff like that. So I'm a bit like, eh, I don't, you know, I don't want to be around those kind of people, not because I don't like them. I, they're valid people. It's just, I don't, I don't have any interest. So for me, it's always, it's partly technical, you know, of course, qualifications, you have to be able to know what to plug in in and et cetera, et cetera. But you learn that along the way. There's no film school that will teach you how to be an electrician. It's whether you can deal with boredom. Can you deal with stress? Can you deal with, can you, are you a people person? You know, some of my guys who I've employed in the past and had to sack is because they're a bit too, they've got a problem at home and they're too trying to chat up the girls all the time or something. So there's distraction. It's, you know, misogyny, you know, so many things. It's like with human beings, they're, they're unknown quantities. So it's very difficult to really gauge that first meeting. But I think if you can sit down and have a cup of coffee and a chat and sort of say, hey, what do you think of that? And they go, oh, I don't care. Well, I'm like, well, I'm not really interested in them as people. So what's the point? Do you know what I mean? It's kind right. of like. Once you do pick somebody or pick a team that you really mm, like, are you able mm. to, to bring them with you on other projects? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. It's a bit like it is very much a team. It's like I think it's partly military in that sense. It's like we're going out to battle, not in the sense of we're. It's not a an e you know like um we're going out to fight, but you go you know you're going on to a, a a very it can be a very difficult place to be. You're away from home, you know you you have to have a structure that works and people respond to each other and they have their foibles and they have their weaknesses. But we all go okay, well we understand that. We'll pick you up and help you out and all that if it keeps happening we maybe have to go well we can't do that but yes we take team to team and then if i you know you try and build that you know there's a saying in the industry you're only as good as your crew which is true but also you know you have to be a, a, if you're on a boat or a submarine or a, a you know leader of a yacht you need to say i know that guy when it when the stuff you know when it gets stormy he'll be able to pull it out of the hat not cower in the corner so you have to that's why you build the team so you know that you know you're when well, you're safe because you're in, in trouble they can back you up and vice versa it's really important actually right. i must say a crew and we go you know we do long hours you know and you sometimes you know i've had guys out and they go oh, i really want to be in the film industry and then after about the 10 hours they're like looking at their watch going uh i had a plan tonight and i'm like well you can get rid of that idea because you don't have a plan tonight you know you can leap but you know let's say you do go oh well i've, I've booked a dinner table you're like well you know you knew it was going to be a long day you knew you you can't just leave when you want this is not an office job you have to be in you have to be in you know and you have to be in the crew you have to be part of the team and if you're not part of the team then there's no point and there's there's again there's so many different things isn't there because people their motivations are different and some just go i want to get away from their partners they don't want to do anything else they just want to go out and have a good time you know foreign travel and all that stuff but the weaknesses i tell you what it is i think the weaknesses show up quite quickly i think it's a bit like going on a boat or a spaceship or uh, a long voyage with somebody that you you're away from home you're in a rarefied atmosphere and you have to protect yourself and protect each other and see yourself as a whole and as an individual at the same time and that takes a lot of that's quite difficult for people i think not a simple thing absolutely no. it's the me we yeah, thing, i think you know. if of course, yeah, of course. Yeah. I think if a uh, if a young nineteen year old came up to me and said, you know, what 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 would be your your advice if I wanted to go work with Julian? Yeah. I would probably tell that nineteen year old, you know, what go plant some trees for a while. Yeah, 
go to art museums. Uh, go and and uh, listen to music you, that you've never heard before. Yeah. And yeah, uh, explore, you know, you know and and I think and don't explore, be afraid, yeah. you know. And also be, you know, I know it's a bit of a but be yourself. Just be be strong, you know, just know yourself. I, I think that's the thing for me. I didn't hit the film industry until I was 30 years old. I'd been through a lot of stuff in my life. And I was just at the right space, right? I knew where I'd come from and I knew sort of where I was going, but I didn't have, I had, I kind of had, I'd, I'd gained character in my life and I was at the right time and I was a bit more opinionated and a bit more secure in myself. So I'd go, when people said, what do you think? I wasn't like, uh, I already had an opinion. I, I already, in my mind was going, uh, this is what I think. So when they asked me, I didn't have to think about it. I just went, oh, I don't like it or like this, or yes, you should do this. And actually, that's always stayed with me because sometimes I'm standing there watching the cameraman and the director, you know, of, of some experience lining up a shot and they'll be going, oh, what do you think? And I'll go in my head, I'll go 22 millimeter and I'll go 22 and they'll go, yes, 22. And I go, or they'll go, you know, 150 mil lens. And I go, no, that's not right in my head. And uh, and then they look at it and go, no, that's not right. And I kind of, you know, and that gives me sucker in a way. It gives me, I go, oh, well, I must be on the same page. I'm on the right thing. I'm I'm trusting my instinct, and I think that's actually part of the thing is trusting your instinct and trusting yourself that you're right. But be a, be a, I'd say what it is: be honest to yourself and be a whole person, and you know as as much as you can be. And you you're still learning, still growing, all that stuff. But don't don't pretend you're something that you're not because I, that won't work. You know, and uh, yeah, explore yourself more than else. Because actually, I think that's what it's about. Really, the rest is yeah, just meh. absolutely. You know, it's a movie. It's like it's just going to disappear one day. Well, I mean, I think there's also the wow factor, right? I mean, we we yeah. grow up with and are constantly bombarded by entertainment, by yeah. Uh, yeah, you know yeah. celebrities and yeah. and celebrity life and stuff. And so I think a lot of people go into it thinking they're going to become celebrities or get to work with celebrities, etc. Yes. Um, did did that impact you at all? Did you did you go into it with them? You know, when you started working with really. Um, well-known people did that yeah, I, does that affect you in any way yes of course because i think you know i'd be i'd be a well i i think i would be a bit what's the word not non-human but i wouldn't be you know i grew up with films like you say and my dad was into movies and well my dad talked about peter at all for instance and, and here's a big thing actually my dad who passed away before i got into the movies was a great movie buff and he was an influence on me in that sense and he was so into like lawrence of the arabia lawrence of arabia and marathon man and Deer Hunter and Goodfellas, not Goodfellas, uh, The Godfather and and classic films that went back, Citizen Kane, you know, all the stuff, blah, 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 and it goes on and on and on. So I'd always, it already gone into my head. And then one day I got a film and I'm working with Peter at all. And I kind of, I was just like, wow, wow, you know, that's a classic man. That's not, you're just, oh, Joe Schmo. He's not, he's the, the real deal. And I kind of, it really, yeah, you get a bit starstruck, you know, it's kind of not in a way that uh, I can't talk to him. I just go, wow, I'm standing, oh, here I am. And, and the connection with all the other people that he's worked with. That's the other thing is you go six degrees of separation. Here I am with Daniel Craig before he was Bond. And then you go, oh, yeah, da, da, da. And Peter O'Toole and Johnny Depp and Michelle Pfeiffer. And kind of, you know, it just goes on and on in the sense of you go, wow, I mean, I'm in a different mycelium, you know, the the reach, the web of, of and they're just normal people, you, you know, but they're not because they're magnified through the cinema. But I still quite, I quite like that. I think this part of me is a bit not, this translates into American or Canadian, but tarty, you know, it's like, yeah, it's quite nice to be around celebrities. Who wouldn't, you know, it's nice to be, uh, there's something, there's an air about it, which I quite like. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of, I get that romance yeah, and glamour and all that. You know, we were hanging out with George Clooney. It's like, that's not bad. Not a bad day's work, you know, when you kind of go, 
and we're not like hey we're george clooney but it's kind of you know there's a nice it's like it's better than going to work and going what you do so get well you know i'd rather be i'd rather be i think since i was a kid i was always behind the scenes does that make sense i was always in the other side of the frame and i've never i've always thought that when i worked in music i was always doing backstage stuff when i worked in uh, you know i've always the guy who was practical and i get the whole traveling through the frame you know i kind of quite like that thing where i can go in and out of it and one day i'm watching it and the next day i'm in it i quite i'm a satellite of the industry and i don't i don't want to be a celebrity or you know that's quite hard work in a way well it's well um it's prosperous but it's not you know emotionally quite unstable place i kind of quite like that. They're, they're sort of modern day artists in a way you know in the, in the 30s it would have been picasso or something like that and now it's Johnny Depp, you know, and they kind of have that air about them, which is slightly different for whatever reason. I quite like that. Yeah, I mean, the coolest, the coolest part, in my opinion, is that you get to work with people who are absolute masters of their craft when it comes to actors. Uh, yes. I remember watching a whole um, little mini documentary on Anthony Hopkins in Westworld, and yeah, yeah. how you know, even every little gesture he made yes, had absolutely. a purpose, had a absolutely. had a reason for being there. Absolutely. So it's kind of cool that you yeah, get yeah. to see this in action yeah big time i think my my problem with it is you get slightly false uh it's a false world which i have to i found difficult to come to terms with once i think or over the time you kind of go oh we're all buddies and you go no you're not actually he's going to get in his car and go to his multi-million pound mansion (laughs) and it's it's a it's a bit like i don't know how to describe it you're like a you're a voyeur of it and you're a partaker and a creator within it but you're not actually in it it's so you're in this kind of weird and I think that really affects people, actually. Sometimes they can get a bit starstruck in the sense of they're like, oh, yeah, I work in the movies. And I'm like, yeah, but you're just, you know, with all due respect, you're a plasterer on a set that works in the movies. It's just, you know, it's keeping it real. At the end of the day, I go home. I haven't got, you know, do you know what I mean? It's kind of like you need the grounding. Yeah. Whereas, And it's great and it's like exciting. But then at the end of the day, it's an end. You know, what struck me at once, well, not once, but when I started out is you work and you're hard and it's like you build this whole thing and then you then they finish shooting and then they just take it all away and you walk in on the last day and it's an empty room and it's kind of a sad thing you know and then it gets filtered and made and produced and edited and post-production into this little box on a dvd shelf you know what i mean you go wow all that effort went into that thing and it's a memory and it's quite interesting it's quite a that's quite a psych, not a psychological, and a metaphysical on a metaphysical level, quite an interesting thing. It's like an author living their whole life and all that, all that information and experience and thing went into words, and it's just diluted, not diluted, uh, refined and made in something. And it's kind of weird that the after effect of this is a weird thing. Do you know what I mean? It's like coming home from a long journey and getting home, and you just go, Phew. That was hard. You know, it was exciting. It was full. It was a full experience. And you can't quite understand. Yeah, this is something. Get your head around it. This is something a friend of mine, um, Sandrine Lafont, who I'm going to interview a bit later Mm. in the year, but Mm. she experienced this. She was a dancer with Céline Zion for 10 years, Mm. and then she worked with Cirque du Soleil. And Mm -hmm. at one point we were talking and I said, you know, what does it feel like to work on a project for four to six months? You have a whole team. You have, you know, a a really tight team of dancers or producers, whatever. And then you all leave. Yes. You all leave. You don't see yeah. these people again yeah. for maybe another three, yeah. four years. And you have a you have a collective it's, experience. It's weird. Yeah. yeah. But that's yeah. military, you, you know, the military. Exactly. They all 
they go on tour everybody's like hey and it's a but you know whatever i'm being a bit um hollywood about it but they, you know you all have to go through difficult times and you're away from your home da, 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 and then you come back and you're sitting in your house with your child or whatever and it's you kind of connected to your brain is no your spirit in a way is connected somewhere else not in a bad way but you don't have your collective experience with your family and your wife or husband or whatever is so different to the experience you've had with your colleagues and it's not you've just gone to the office it's you've gone on a journey you know and it's it is very difficult and the the blues come very strongly after that and that's another thing about guys is when you meet them you go listen this is going to be a ride and it's going to be a great adventure but for the, however the highs there's going to be a lot of lows as well for all the you know hanging out on film sets and being cool you will also find there's an empty space there and it can be quite massive and you have to be careful you don't fill it up with something else it's not good for you you know it's a bit of a roller coaster. how do you deal with it well i think i'm quite strong i grew up in all different countries and worlds and stuff like that. i found it difficult at first but in the end i just i you know recently i started meditating and stuff like that. i just i was never into drugs or drink particularly i was never a big gambling or whatever you know it was never i never felt that i had a big vacuum inside and i kind of got it i think i was a bit like again behind the stage you know i used to do theater you'd spend all day working on the set and designing a, a concert or whatever and then you pack all the shit away and everybody goes home and you just hear the audience do you know what i mean it's like um the memory of it the fantastic the phantasm of it long lasts longer in your mind than in reality so of course when you've cleaned up the stage and everybody's gone and you know said goodbye or gone out for a drink or whatever there's the echo of that and you just have to hold on to that a little bit and there's something quite nice about it actually i'm i think i'm in quite into bittersweet in a, in a in a way i quite like that i think it's part of life you know i think it's you can't have one without the other you know bitter wouldn't make any sense without the sweetness so you have to accept both light without you know there's no light without dark you know and i think that's a big problem within our society to a certain extent they want everybody wants light and they don't want the dark <laughs> go well of course yeah there's how no, do con you, uh, no how do you maintain how do you maintain a relationship with, all with my partner you mean yeah like how, it, how do how does anybody uh, you know maintain a relationship when they're away for well i think you have to be an time? adult you know it's never easy and you grow up i've been together christina just celebrated 28 years together uh it's a long journey that's old enough to be grandparents and you go and you know you have to talk to each other you have to give and take you're both unknown quantities and you have to grow and share and all those things obvious and you have to listen to each other of course and and speak your mind and take time and you know it's it's difficult again it's like you're off on location with people and they're all like oh come on we'll go to the drink and you'll have to take you know we haven't got children even but if you had children you would spend 20 minutes half an hour an hour with your children on skype or on the phone or you know in the old days people didn't have that so you would just go away for three months and never see them and then come back and that's where people get a little bit lost i think but uh you know we it was difficult i must admit when we first and then now christina and i travel together so where I go, she goes with me, which is great. Oh, so that's amazing. I didn't know yeah. that, actually. No, and it's a really good, I think it's solved so many problems. And I'm, we're lucky because we don't have children to worry about. But I think it's been a, a blessing. And Christine is very, she's, I, I always call it, I say she's a bit like a cat, although she's allergic to them. She acts, she's like, she she's quite happy. You know, we went to Malaysia for three months on a movie, Crazy Rich Asians. And she gets the benefit of a nice hotel in Kuala Lumpur. She has a spa. You know, she gets to know the people in the hotel and she can have room service or she can go out for a walk or, you know, then there's the other partners come in and they spend time together and they build their own little community. And, you know, then she gets to hang out with me and the director or the actors in the evening. So she meets that lot. So she doesn't have to 
you know, she has, uh, she's met Clooney twice and, you know, kind of, you know, it's kind of, he's like, do you know what I mean? So she gets the, she in a way gets the the thrill rather than the hard work. I have to do the hard work and, yeah, and but spend the time. But you also get way. to, uh, yeah, you, you also get to collapse in her arms after well, a long exactly. day, which is beautiful. Exactly. And when you come home from, you know, you jump off a minibus and come home, the person you love opens the door, not it's an empty room. And it's not, and then I don't have to go, hey, we're all going for a drink. Let's go for a drink. I go, no, it's fine. Me and Christina are going for a walk. I'm going to have dinner. Or, or we'll meet up together and we'll hang out with a different department or, you know, their partner, somebody else's partner will come and we'll go. And they, you know, we all go out together and we have couples out. And I, I love it, actually, I must admit. It's it's also difficult when you come home from a long, hard day when you go, how was it? And you're like, oh, I just want to go to bed. But that's, but, you know, that's in a relationship. If you came home from a long, hard day at work in your own home, you still have the same problem. So it's right. just big. It's and she loves traveling. We love being in different places. We love experiencing different things. So you have to have that to you know. If you're not into that, then well, traveling is not going to help you. And she, you know, I we were in Malta on the end. We just finished shooting Murder on the Orient Express. Christina was with me. We said, oh, let's. It's our last day here. We'll go to the. Uh, it's a side thing, but we w- went to the uh, cathedral to see the Caravaggio painting there. And as I was going in, I got a call to go to Malaysia, and I was like, "What do you think?" And she goes, "Ah, why not? We've we'll, you know we'd love to go to Asia." So I emailed back and said, you know, I'm interested. And then two weeks later, we we're on a plane to Malaysia. Well, a lot of people would be like, well, hold on a sec. We were about, you know, we were planning to go to Venice for a holiday or somewhere else. And so everything just got thrown out the window and we were on a plane to Malaysia. And we didn't come back till wow. July. So you kind of go, wow, that's kind of quite a, and I love that. That's so exciting. It's like, oh, everything's changed. But you have to be prepared to just, you know, move, ditch, go. But I grew up like that. So in a way, it was for me, it's not a big challenge. And she likes the thrill of it. And I think that helps the the relationship go along because it's always like you're always having to adapt and change, and you know we like that. I think you have to respect yeah, other you people's that, uh, you know place. That's the thing. Absolutely. I mean, it sounds like you guys are a perfect partnership in in that yeah, regard. Yeah. You said uh, you grew up like that. Do you want to touch on that for a bit? Just, well, um, my dad, my, my dad. So I was born in England in Amersham, which is a small town out. Well, it's a it's, yeah small town outside of London. Uh, only because my parents were there. My dad was doing uh, his um, qualifications to become part of the diplomatic service. So at two months old, we moved to Senegal, to uh, West Africa. My uh, three older brothers. My mum's Italian. She's from Italy, uh, from uh, Florence. And again, you know, 1966, my mum went, okay, and we moved to India, uh, to Africa. Three years later, we went to Stockholm. Uh, three years after that, we went to Bombay. So again, huge cultural change and, and continental change. I mean, you're not only going from a very different world in the sense of a different atmosphere, in the sense of climate and, you know, you're not going from one Christian country to another Christian country with a similar. You're doing a huge, very different, diverse uh, experiences. And you have to cope with that. And that's quite difficult. You know, I remember we flew from Stockholm to India. Stockholm's an underpopulated country, very clean you know, very white, and you suddenly end up in Bombay after a 20-hour flight, whatever it is, uh, going, oh, my God, this is not what I, you know, it's just you're shell-shocked constantly. You have to leave your family, your friends every time, or you're, you know, I'd never had long-term friends. So you grow up like that, and it took me, that took me a while to get too used to. But then you get immersed in this amazing culture, which you then, you know, and you don't have long-term uh objects in your life you know everything has to be ditched and you go and it, it keeps you fluid and it's it's difficult because obviously when you do stop it's like driving off a motorway your brain is still going but your body has stopped and you kind of 
that took me a long time to settle down. I'm actually quite homely. I'm, you know, quite like being at home. But I also love that just shaking it up. I think it's really important. And I, I think every, I think we suffer too much in crisis. I think we need to go, oh my God, it's all falling apart. And you go, well, yes, but because it's falling apart, that means something's about to be rebuilt. It's cha- It's evolving. It's changing. Don't, you know, everything is in flux all the time, including us. You know, we're not here forever. So just let it roll a bit. And I suffer from it. I'm a bit like, oh, you know, but I also, part of me goes, well, that's where it's always going to be. The only constant is change and allow that to happen. Don't, let's not stress too much about that, you know, um, roll with it a little bit. Because actually, yeah, it sounds like you're, comes to you're born with a sense of optimism, aren't you? I always, my mum always said I used to wake up very happy, which I, which I like. I quite, <laughs> I love potential. I think I like going to shops where you, you know, I like tool shops and art shops because all the potential of the stuff that you could possibly do with that, <laughs> you know, I go, wow, that's just brilliant. All that stuff. And it's not just, uh, it's not produced. It's like, this is where we produce it. You know, this is, will give me the day will be better because I've done that. And I recently, I, since I had cancer, I'm less waking up in a happier mood. I get a bit maudling, but that's where the meditation came in, but I'm quite spiritual. I quite, I quite like the, you know, I think you tune into stuff and I kind of like the whole, you know, I like, you know, I like cultures. I like, I'm always curious. I always go, where are you from? What do you do? How, how do you do it there? What do you, how do you say this? You know, what's your food like? And I, I think that's a better than, oh, I don't like that. I'd rather be op- optimistic and open and positive than negative and closed and, um, you know, unwilling to find out. It's, it's also brought me into difficult places sometimes where you become, you know, you become a bit, not suspect, you become, uh, what's the word? You become a bit, you know, being open can be quite difficult because you have to accept, you know, you become a fair game, I guess, to other people. They're like, huh, well, he's a bit easy, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Because he's so, he wants, but they all, you know, I'm, I don't really, I don't know. I don't really want to hide. I don't have stuff to hide in that sense. I can go, well, what do you, why do you want to know? I just let, and of course you can get screwed over by that, but that's the thing. Of course. It's one of the things I've always uh, enjoyed about our, um, our, you know, uh, our correspondence and, and stuff like yeah. that is that you're very curious, you're very yeah. uh, interesting and interested. Yes, in well, you know what they say about curiosity. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly, right? No, but yes, I want to be, otherwise what's the point? You know? Yeah. Um, you did mention in one of the, our last conversations that one of the things that you were, was of particular interest to you mm. is the sp- more spiritual side to light and yeah. lighting. You want yeah. to tell me a little bit about that? Well, I guess it's what I touched on before is that, you know, in life, I think that we all, I think, well, it's a Judeo-Christian thing, I think, and people can contradict this, but obviously, but in my mind, it's like that, you know, there's somehow light is all optimistic optimistic and positive and it's you know life has to be about lightness and beauty and all that and you it's always like it has to be about the good and you have to accept to a certain extent in life that it's about the bad so if we equate that to light being good and dark being bad well i kind of go well you can't have one without that so you either if everything is bright and beautiful and light it's kind of like you meet those people and go oh everything has to be amazing not amazing in the sense of but I only see the positive and I go, well, there is negative in the world, but you have to accept it as part of the, it's the bittersweet thing, you know? And so light being the sweet and bit dark being the bitter or vice versa. Let, traditionally we see it like that, but actually, you know, light is, is a light is a life giver essentially, you know, because it, it grates growth and uh, it allows cells to grow and, and, you know, plants to grow and the planets grow and heat and all those things. 
but if it was constantly like that it wouldn't be able to grow so in a way life needs dormancy and life needs time to settle and life needs time to re to, to to go shut down and sleep and all that kind of thing and i think you know i love the fact that i work with light because it's organic it's not something that follows traditional rules it follows certain rules within physics but actually it doesn't as well you know is light bent is time bent by light or you know all those things it's a, a metaphysical thing as much as anything else and i find that as fascinating then i really don't care the technology of it i find it more about what light does when it falls on subjects and you know and then there's light from inside there's you know what i mean it's kind of it's everywhere it's energy and i think and i'm not an airy fairy person in that sense i'm not but i just kind of go that's more interesting to me how like you know when you feel there's a certain feeling when you get up and the sun is shining you just feel the potential there's positivity that things are going to grow with it and we you know i live in a country which doesn't have a lot of sunlight like you would get in spain or italy so my thing is that when i grew up in hot countries and i'd come to england i found it deeply miserable i found people miserable and i found it but when the sun comes out everybody's like oh you know they go a bit crazy and i find that quite interesting and i was always like well i for me it's like when the sun when i see sun in the morning i see the you know the positivity of things but having recognized that is that you know to have contrast in life you need shadow and light you know you have actually there's a Joni Mitchell song and I can't remember what the title of it is but it is you know every picture has a shadow and every picture has some source of light blindness and sight and I think you can't have you don't appreciate one without the other let's say and I think when you turn on that big lamp and, sh and shine it onto the actor it's like something comes alive and when you turn it off that thing doesn't disappear it's still there but it's do you know what I mean it becomes dormant and I think that's quite interesting and I think we should embrace the shadow and embrace the, the contrast in life instead of just saying, oh, we want it all to be good, 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 good. I think it's very bad, actually, for society. A bit like what's going on politically in the world. It's like, yes, there's bad shit going down, but also through that will become good stuff will happen. And you can't you can't just go, oh, we don't want, you know, the, the life is not modulated at that point. You can't have the sound always on. You know, silence has as much validity as um, noise. And vice versa. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think we see this a lot in art history, right? Yes. We see a yeah. lot of um, artwork where you mentioned Caravaggio, yeah. who used who was a master of light. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think of things like Francis Bacon with the distorted portraits uh, yeah. that exposed the grotesque yeah. Yeah. side of life. Yeah. yeah. Um, how has the fine arts? How has how have uh, visual arts influenced your work? Well, I think visual arts is a process is very interesting. I think that when you start a painting, for instance, it's not, you know, if uh, once you start, so you start with, you don't even maybe start with an idea. You start with a thing, a surface, and it might already have marks on it. And then you add your mark and then you take that on a journey and you may not necessarily know where that ends up. You don't, you're part of the process. You're the controller to a certain extent, but then there's other immutable forces like gravity and things like that you can't control. So you put a big blob of paint on the bottom and of course it's going to run to the bottom the uh, top and it's going to run to the bottom well you can control that because you can flatten it and all that so in a way filmmaking is a bit like that you know i think i think that painting for me shows me a way of life it's a way of pro, a, a method that you do in life a bit like cooking and it's like, do you know what i mean it's like you have to go through certain things you can put them in different orders but will have a different effect. So you can, you know, people go, oh, you can't mix oil and water, uh, oil paint and water paint. You go, yes, you can. 
course you can. You can do whatever you want, but it won't it won't work for you. So you have to accept that to a certain extent and work with it and maybe have an interesting effect. So it's kind of like you can do whatever you want. I always say to people, you can you can make whatever meal you want, however you want to do it. You can do whatever painting you want. There's no limit. You can do it until it falls apart, whatever. And the only thing that really matters is whether you like it. If somebody else likes it, then fine. But really, it's up to you. And I think that's, the, to a certain extent, we're all trying to prove uh, a thing to somebody else going, what do you think? And you go, well, I, it's not really what I you think. It's what I think. Even down to food, you can put, I don't know what the worst combination of food could possibly be. And everybody goes, you're crazy. And you go, well, I like it. And everybody goes, you know what? He's got a point. I quite like it. And then if enough people like it, then you're on to a winner. If you keep putting those two ingredients together and everybody hates it, then you probably should give up. If you, you know, if you're trying to make a, a living out of it or whatever, you're trying to catch on. If you, if you're into that, then that's fine. Um, and I think painting is quite a fascinating. I love the fact that it's not a joint effort because I do everything as a, a collaboration, and I love the fact that it's just me. It doesn't have to be, obviously. And I'd like that thing of just that it's, you know, art can be such an amazing thing. And whatever you think about it intellectually, people respond to music and paintings and things like that, and, and, and architecture and stuff. They have opinions. And, it, and I do feel like it encourages something in uh, their personality or their spirituality that's very important. I think without it, it's kind of the art, life would be a bit dead. And it's interesting that certain cultures or political uh, ethos like nazism and stalinism can, can communism will try and destroy and control art because they see it as whatever because they know that it is quite important to people and if they didn't want to control them what's the, you know if it, they knew if it wasn't important to people and it wasn't relevant to their life and their optimism etc cetera, etc cetera, why would they want to control it you know and i think what's going on right. in the world today is like you know it's information but it's a different kind of information I wanted to be clear just just before you continued here is that uh, you are a painter. You also yeah. paint. It's yeah. something that I didn't mention earlier, but no, no. Uh, you, the, and and this is why we're to, we, you know you're able to say that this yeah. is something you can do as an individual outside yes. of the film yes. world. Yes. So yeah, tell me more, uh, just a little bit more about what it is well, that you paint. Well, I paint landscapes at the moment. I started out weirdly doing landscapes, but only by accident because I, I was in Italy and my mum's Italian. That, Somebody gave me some oil paints. I went out with my mum's grandmother's neighbor, my mother's mother's neighbor, to paint in the society, in the countryside in Tuscany, which sounds slightly idealized. But I then, you know, went into so you know through my career of 30, 40 years, I guess, of nearly nearly forty years of painting, I've gone through many different things, and I paint not as a professional. I paint as an amateur, but it's because I I don't I've sold stuff. I mean. You know, Kristen Bale's actually got one of my paintings in uh, in his house in Los Angeles, but I've not got, I don't, that wasn't my, my MO was not to go out and sell paintings. My MO is because I like creating images as something very, something that's just instinctual in me. So the film industry allows me to do that to a certain extent, but then it won't allow me to have control over it. So that's why I paint for myself. And I love, you know, I just have always been uh, into color and light and, and shape. And I respond very much to those things. And I've never... I don't like to intellectualize it too much in the sense of because I think it destroys it, but it's like, it's a bit like food. I just go, oh, that, you know, food is the same thing. It's got color and taste and flavor and it's satisfying and, you know, it allows you to live. And I think the painting's always been that to me since I was a four, 10 year old, you know, whatever. You start out drawing when you're a kid, but then there's something, it's, it's a, I think it's a circle actually. I think it's a loop. And if you, if you like it, 
and you do it and everybody goes, oh, that's nice. And then you respond to that and then you like it, you know, it goes round and round and it's like, you know, need, feed, breed. It's like that eat, or, you know, hunger, uh, uh, cook, taste, eat, you know, hunger, to, you know, it goes round and it just keeps going around. And if it, you just improve on it as you go around and, and, and it feeds something inside of you and it can not feed it as well. It can be very frustrating as well. But it's, uh, I guess it's that, again, going to that exhibition today, I was like, oh, it inspired me to do some more stuff because you get a bit like meh. And because I don't get paid for it, there's no reason to do it apart from my enjoyment. And I haven't painted for a do month. Do you think that now. that's, if you weren't a gaffer, do you think that you would paint for a living? Yes. I think that ideally, if I could survive financially as a as a painter, I would definitely do that. And I that's my dream, I guess, in the future to retire from filmmaking and be a, or do less maybe and be from painter and i'm already doing that to a certain extent and you know as you get older you your money you don't need so much money and you can take time and you know you have different interests but yes i'm very much uh uh into that i think my problem is that i've i would have done it i kind of started doing it and i was that before i got into the film industry i wanted to just be exclusive an artist and i didn't like i went to art galleries and and i didn't like them <laughs> i was like mm. I don't really want to be part of that people you know i didn't i didn't feel a kinship with them and the film show I, I certainly did i felt very much more involved and i felt like that at art college actually when i went to art college i didn't like it i like painting but i didn't want to be involved with the art crew and i i need a buffer really somebody to sort of take my stuff and, and go with it and say you know this and i think it's also very difficult to be the agent of self i think you know for artists find it very difficult to be the guy who comes in and goes yeah, this guy's great. He's, you know, you really need to buy this guy's stuff. You know, it's, he's great, you know, or they're great. And, and you need somebody to represent you in that sense. And that's where I think artists flourish to a certain extent. They become, uh, they have a representative, somebody to represent them. And, you know, they're successful because, you know, I think it's finding a balance between your own passion, your own success and then also convince or not caring so much and just let somebody else decide and luckily you know if you're a picasso or somebody like you just you've got a great amount of talent and you're very successful or you're jeff coons and you're talented to a certain extent but then are very good at um self-promotion right and so i guess uh it, it is a the bonus of being a painter is that you get mm. to do it individually, like you, you, you had yes. previously said. Yes. When you're a gaffer, you're working as part of a team. But yes. like you just said, also you're on your own when it comes to your own promo until you get an agent. And yeah. it's it's a completely the art world is a completely different uh, sense of elitism, and yeah. uh, really, you know, it's and it's, also, it's and very also, different. Yeah, and also it's subjective. You know, at the end of the day, you're going, do you like that? And you go, it's eh, interesting. And if somebody's like, I want to spend, you know, you, but I, I think that the, the thing is that artists don't do that. I maybe am too sensitive. I'm maybe too worried about what people think of me in that sense. I'm not a natural, uh, you know, exponent of my own self. Uh, and which is sad to say, I think in a way, you know, in the film industry, I can hide that to a certain extent. I can be, you know, people go great movie. And I go, well, I did, you know, I didn't do it on my own. <laughs> so if it's terrible, I don't go, well, it wasn't my fault. You know, do you know what I mean? It's like you can partake yeah. in the success and not and not partake in the failure equally. So everybody goes, "Oh, you're the accountant on Game of Thrones, amazing!" And you go, "Yeah, well, I never went on set; I was just an accountant." But of course, you know, success is many fathers, and failure is always an orphan. So, you know, and as a painter, it, it would strike you know when people go, "Yeah, I'd rather have." I think indifference is the thing I don't like in the industry. And when I first started going to art galleries, they're like, "Well, I like this one. Do you have any more like that?" And I kind of went, "Well, you know, I'm not a 
I don't do it to taste, but I don't know. I'm not, I don't know. It's not a, it's just one of those things that didn't quite, that I guess the seed at the time didn't quite take to the soil and it wasn't right. And therefore I found the thing that was right, which gave me sustenance. But as I've grown older now, would like to change that maybe a little bit and see, you know, and that's why yeah. I did my website and started doing stuff, which is not, you know, it's a point of bad timing because the world is in massive recession. So maybe art's not the first thing on their minds, but I'm glad I did it. And it's, um, and that's, again, it's not, I'm not doing it for money, but it's certainly, if you don't put it out there, if you don't put your, your uh, wares on the table, people aren't interested, they're certainly not going to pick them up for financially or any other way. So you have to get them out. There are two aspects, like you're saying, to art, which mm. is mm. you do it to share. Yes. Uh, you know, as a because what was the point of expression if you just keep it to yourself? Yes. And yes. then the the other point is perhaps to make a you know yes. a little bit of money yeah, of course. here and there. Yeah. Well, we have to pay the mortgage and all that stuff. Yeah. And also, I don't believe in a starving artist. I don't want to go through life starving and stressed about how I find the next. Oh, equally, I don't. I think most of the art that's made by people who are incredibly wealthy is is pretty crap. You know, you need to have, again, yeah. it goes back to the bittersweet. You need to have in your life some constant tests of what it is, whether it's psychologically, spiritually, physically, economically. You need to have something that constantly makes you want to strive to better things. And, you know, again, politically, you know, Trump or whatever, whoever you don't like is there for a reason for you to push harder. We've created it. It's an ebb and flow, you know, and I think you have to, it's a life journey. And really art, I think, is a byproduct of your life, you know, and that's why a lot of Western art, it's very boring because we've seen it. It's its kind of reached its end. Whereas if you went to uh, Africa or Asia or Siberia, you probably find much more interesting art or Lebanon or Palestine. You'd find art in a very different way because it's got such a different meaning. It's so much more crucial to them. There's so, you know, it's a bit like if you're in prison and you can still produce a drawing from blood or, you know, a piece of charcoal that somebody's smuggled. You know what I mean? It's like if you still have that urgency and thing to draw out against all odds, then you're a proper artist, as far as I'm concerned. Whereas if you're just you're super wealthy and you've got a house with loads of, you know, I saw a. a, a a pay, it was a famous actor and he's got you go into a studio and he's got just everything you could possibly want as an artist but his his art is really boring so you it's self-indulgent and i kind of right. so you have to you know it has to have there has to always be something to make the light lighter and the dark darker otherwise there's there's no solidity you know there's no you need contrast and I think that's the thing that keeps striking. You know, you wake up in the morning and hope that the day is going to be sunny and bright and strong and, you know, it's not going to piss down and you're not going to get soaking wet or whatever, you know, or your house isn't going to get set fire to by a, a, a wildfire. You know, it's going to find a balance and find some harmony. But if you wake, if you don't, you know, what do you do? You can't return, you can't go backwards. So you always have to go forward and that and that kind of gives you, spurs you on. And what I would say is that I think great, art actually comes through struggle it doesn't come through boredom it doesn't come through yeah it's great so julian i'm really curious now what is it inside of you that is prompting you to create art interesting question actually because partly it's i i guess it must be to a certain extent uh self promotion you know not i don't know i started growing flowers recently and there's no point to it but i just quite like flowers i like coloring i've always done like that i've always been like you know i like I like expressing I like I think I would have been a musician if I wasn't a painter you know I kind of like that thing of just 
noodling. I like being busy. I like uh, draw. You know, I like doing stuff. And I think is there oh, something I, inside of you though that you're trying to release, like something that you want to say or something that you're well. That's you the know, problem. Is I think rec here. recently I've been no. I kind of I no. I don't. I really don't. I don't have. I struggle to go. Oh, I want to because I you know I want to impress upon the world my belief. I'm not like that. I find I struggle to. I think I have enough confidence to do that generally. I know what I don't want, I guess, but I don't know what I do want. But I like, I love landscapes and I love nature. But don't, it's just more like, you know, here it is. It's kind of acceptance and of that. I never paint people. That's one thing. I never, I've never drawn people ever. I did life drawing stuff, but I never subject. If I never go, oh, here's somebody doing something. And I, I kind of wish I could actually, but I never really wanted to i've never had an urgency to i like i'm more like just like shapes and colors and i think that's why abstract art interests me more uh i have yeah even when i was a kid teenager when i really got into painting when i was at school i just would go out and draw landscapes i loved them i like uh, i like empty frames in a way i like those things but i don't have a i don't know really i think it's you know i think about it actually i do think about it a lot i go why aren't you politically why aren't you doing paintings about i have ideas for stuff but they never seem to come to fruition about that you know i kind of um I've, i'm not into agitprop i'm not into sort of this is the way things should be i'm not into but i kind of when i saw the paintings today i get why you'd maybe it's laziness i don't know why people do that but i kind of like the idea of just seeing a landscape and going maybe that's thing of when i you know changing my life so much that i miss those opportunities of recording you know that there's a lot of missed opportunities in my life where I've suddenly gone. Well, I I didn't. My parents suddenly moved me to another continent. I'm like, Ugh. you know, there's a kind of a a missed like a, a like a, a landscape that I never got to really see properly, kind of thing. Does that make sense? It's kind of like a, a yeah. A missed so it sounds vision. like you've got a longing, a bit of a longing. Yeah, I think I suffer a little bit from uh, what's the word or uh, well, the phrase is. Uh, abandonment in that sense where i lost you know i had to leave leave my friends i had to leave my culture i had to leave well it wasn't my culture somebody else's but i then was kind of you become detached a little bit and i i think i suffered a little bit from uh me or not you know commitment because i don't because i was scared of that we we're just going to leave you know and i think maybe i tell you what it is actually there is, there is something i think is that it's that thing of a bit like i was saying about the film industry is at the end of the day when all that disappears and they shut the stage door and then somebody else turns up the next day and opens the stage door and builds their own reality, is that's great, but that's not my reality. That's created by a director or a studio or whatever. Julian White exists. I sometimes look at my painting and go, when I die, when I'm no longer here, that they will exist and they'll be the mark of, you know, you go into the caves of, uh, southern, uh, of you know, southern France or Spain and you look at those drawings by people who didn't do it for a reason particularly but of antelope or people you know there's a fetishism about it and then you go well why do they do it because i was here you know it was that i exist therefore you know when i'm gone something will exist that was me only and not anybody else and i think that must be important to me because i think i shared everything mm. with my brothers i shared everything with my family i shared everything with other people and I always struggled to find my own thing I always went from one country to another from one school system to another from one and it, you know and just in that you sort of to a certain extent maybe get lost by it lost from it or within it and and I kind of want to maybe go 
here I am, this is me, whether it doesn't say anything about me in that sense, there's no like big, you know, uh, dramatic angst ridden thing. It's just a, a somebody standing in a landscape looking at something and it's all fantasy. It's not even a landscape that I've stood in. It's totally from my head. And I kind of like that. I think that's kind of, that's, uh, it's kind of science fiction in that sense. You know, it's kind of not of this world. It's from inside my brain. And and it's just the the little journey that I've been on with that painting on that, that in that time, and you know somebody will look at it and go, ah, or not, I don't know. But that's really unimportant for me. It's the important thing. It's an engraving, I guess, an, an etching. It's more than yeah. just an empty like space. It's, it's a way to be remembered. Yeah, and I go through. You know, I we. I think people go, oh, you know, I have kids so that they'll look after me, you know, whatever. And I don't, I understand that, but I don't have a sentimental attitude about it. I'm not somebody, I kind of go, you know, that that I've got this sort of legacy to pass on to somebody. I don't, I really don't feel that. I don't, I think we exist in a world, and not in a cynical way. I think we exist in a world totally interdependent on each other more than ever. But also that you have to remember that you are the only person in your world. Do you know what I mean? You know, mm-hmm. it's a, uh, it's not, and that's not cynical at all. It's like saying, I, I recognise that the, I am the centre of my own universe because you can't be the centre of somebody else's universe in yourself. You can only be the centre of your own universe, and then you can only respond to that other, the other universes around you, by being the centre of you. You know, you have, you have to be your own nucleus because otherwise you cease to right. exist. And I think to a certain extent, art is part of that. It's saying, I am, you know. I exist. And I always thought actually whether the word art comes from, you know, where art thou kind of thing, you know, it's kind of why is it, I don't know, it's, I, there probably is nothing in that, but it's kind of like, I am, you know, I exist, aka homo kind of thing. And I think that's quite interesting. But the, I, I do think it's a byproduct. It's nothing more than that, you know, hmm. like food is or knitting or whatever. You just do, you do it because it keeps you occupied and fulfills part of you. And at the end of the day, somebody goes, that was great or not. Or I like that sandwich, or I didn't like that sandwich. But there's no, you know, at the end of the day, we all die. And, you know, all the other shit that people talk about art is really just superfluous because yeah, it really is. I mean, you know, you're a scientist partly, aren't you? You kind of get into that whole thing of, you know, you, antelope don't think about art. <laughs> they just think about what they can eat and how they, you know, maintain it. Yeah, their... it's weird being at the intersection, you know, between being a visual artist myself yes. and being in the science community yeah. as a science communicator. Yeah. So it's been really weird examining that whole question. Yeah. Um, so Julian, I have one last question yeah. for you. Sure. Do you prefer the light of the sunrise or the light of the sunset? Oh, good question. Well, light of sunset is full of melancholy and, uh, and, the day has passed the remains of the day and sunrise is full of the opportunity and the excitement of what's happening and we're still alive yay you know that thing of like oh the sun will always rise well maybe it won't one day but it's like you know the thai i think it's thailand they clap the sunset when it goes down it's like thank you for the day and i quite like that but also it's a bit there's a bit of a fear in it it's like what's going to happen at night or what's you know they're in in that there traditionally would be danger because you can't see into the jungle or into the wilderness uh, whereas where light comes, it's very. Uh, I, I got to say, I'm um, in between. I'm. I like both of them. I just don't like midday. It's neither here nor there. And it's traditionally Nobody the worst. Nobody likes midday. It's a traditionally <laughs> the worst light. You know, it's like it's all toppy. Yeah. So every, nobody looks good, and you're better off sleeping through that. I think <laughs> <laughs> the Spanish have it right. 
<laughs> yeah, the siesta is definitely yeah. the, the yeah, right yeah, yeah, uh, cultural yeah. process. But no, I think I think low low light is always the better because it shows up all the texture. Cool. Well, listen, Julian, it's been uh, fantastic to Likewise. have this conversation Thank with you, you despite the uh, many disconnections yeah. that we've had. Hopefully the well, viewers won't notice a thing. No, editing. <laughs> and yeah, so listen, it's been great. Thank and you. I support, um, you know, I hope that your future projects go well. Yeah, I hope you. that you keep painting. Yep, and do you want to share with everybody where they can see your paintings? Yeah, it's quite simple. JulianWhiteArt.com. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Julian, for coming to the podcast, and yeah. I hope that uh, you continue to be well. Oh, thank you. Oh, one more thing. I have yes. an Instagram account, which is blood and color 66 which is my paintings. And then through that, you can link to I have five different Instagram accounts. You can find all my other stuff. Yes, that's right. <laughs> and I, I highly recommend following. Also, Julian's uh, portraits of flowers are just, just stunning. Oh, thank you. So definitely have a look at that. Thank you. Thank Thanks, you. Jules. Take right, care. Thank you. Bye. Thank you.